Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Hello. <laughs> um, in this episode, we're going to be talking about spinoffs. Um, for those of you who don't know spinoffs, um, we will talk about kind of the, 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 the details about spinoff. But at high level, this is a special situation where a lot of value investors actually focused on to uh, make outsized returns. And we'll talk about a few names in this podcast that really focused, focuses on uh, spinoff situations. So before we do that, though, Hari, should we do a quick disclaimer? Yeah. Um, so this podcast is, is designed for helping you uh, learn how uh, to think like a value investor, educate yourself. Um, you should use it for ed- educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not a financial advisor, nor do we know your specific financial situation. So um, if you do need to make investment decisions, uh, we um, uh, consult a financial advisor before doing so. Perfect. All right. Let's get this started. So, Hari, uh, you know, as we do a lot of reading on spinoffs, or as we do a lot of reading on value investing, generally speaking, spinoffs actually... Yeah, does come up quite a bit in special situation circumstances or uh, an opportunity to make really outsized returns. Yeah. And there are a few people who talk about it, but namely there's Joel Greenblatt. He's the guy that really kind of talked about it in his book. But actually, before we go into that, you can let's do uh, maybe a little bit of detail on give give our listeners what what is what is spinoff. Can we start with that? Yeah. So, um, so typically uh, businesses, you know, are a single operating entity, um, and over time they may either create their own business um, that's in a separate line, or they may buy, uh, acquire businesses as part of, you know, a strategy of you know acquiring new 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 businesses. And but they're all under one you know kind of umbrella. So there's a couple of ways that a business can you know realize the value of a child business, right? If we talk about it like a parental relationship. The parent company, um, you know, has a has the business has two or three or more operating businesses. It can sell the business to another company, or what it can do is actually, um, in a tax efficient manner, it can spin off the company. So if you own shares in the parent company, you will get a you know equivalent number of shares, um, and it may be in a, a special ratio. Um, you know, five to five shares for the parent, you get one share of the child, um, and it'll be spun off to um, the, uh, you know, to the general public. So anybody who owns this stock um, in the parent company will also receive uh, shares in the child company. Um, and this, you know, this is done for a lot of different reasons. Um, um, and this is not an IPO. So there is no money that is raised as part of this uh, process. Um, so the, the owners of the parent will get, uh, owners, you know, ownership in these child stocks and they'll just show up in your account. There's nothing you have to do. Um, yeah. and typically there is no tax, uh, cost for that because you're just splitting an, a business that you already own into multiple trading entities. So, mm-hmm. um, you will encounter a, uh, you know, a tax, uh, when you sell it, you know, and that's something that, uh, is dependent on when you purchase the parent. Um, but, um, you know, typically this is to kind of say that, you know, the child is something that the owners of the main business may not even realize that the child is there or what it's contributing um, and that they want to split these assets out, 
you know, and that's kind of why spinoffs exist. So, I, I you know, you may may not know this, but um, in the seventies, uh, Sears was actually the owner of a lot of number, you know, many many businesses that they either built uh, out uh, on their own or acquired. Um, and what they did was they spun off a lot of those shares. So Allstate was actually um, one of the companies that was spun off from uh, Sears. Um, and, you know, um, f- uh, Ferrari was a sp- spun off from uh, Fiat Chrysler. So um, there are quite a few businesses like this that are spun out. Um, and it's usually to unlock shareholder value. That is uh, the primary reason that people do this. Yeah. So at a high level, this is really like, like you said, parent-child relationship where, you know, you have, when your business is growing, you have many, many different subsidiaries. And let's say if one of subsidiary is doing particularly well or particularly not well, then you spin this off into a separate entity. That's one key point. The second key point is that the spin-off, the, the way that people, the way that companies spin the subsidiary off is different than an IPO. You can IPO your subsidiary too but you can also spin off your subsidiary so it's a different different way of spinning out this child entity and it has tax uh, advantages so that's a third point that i want to point out um so those are kind of high level a perspective what uh, of what spinoff is all about um just to summarize what hari pointed out there um so i think a good segue is you know, we, we talk about spinoffs, but ultimately, you know, as investors, we want to make money off of this. And why is it important to, you know, why is it important to focus on, focus on spinoffs is because, um, you know, many great investors really focus on spinoffs because of great returns that it has generated previously, historically. So if you could talk about, you know, maybe historical, re- historical returns for, um, for investors who really focused on spinoff strategy, sorry. Yeah. If you, um, I think there's there, this was a published study in like 2015 that if you had bought spinoffs from 1980s till 2015 and you owned every single spinoff um, in equal amounts, um, you would have uh, gotten a 20% annualized return. So, um, you know, the S&P 500 gives you about a 10% return. The spinoff um, is double that. So, and that's owning every one of them. So not all of them are, you know, are profitable spinoffs. Some of them d- turn out to be duds. Some do nothing. Um, the uh, The idea here is that owning a spinoff is a good place to look for value because the reason mm-hmm. for the spinoff is to unlock value. So you're all, you're kind of looking in a target rich environment, you know, as it were, when you start looking into a spinoff. And in addition to that, there is other things that we'll talk about that you know would put you into a you know a good situation. So um, I don't know if you can if you're on uh, YouTube you can see us, but um, I'm holding a "You Can Be a Stock Market Genius," which is a book by uh, Joel Greenblatt, um, and he is a uh, you know is a fantastic uh, investor, value investor in many ways. Um, you know he uh, he kind of pioneered some of the you know the thinking around spinoffs. Um, but it's not something that was, you know, was his idea to begin with. This is something that he knew about and has been using uh, to to great advantage. So um, he runs this uh, um, firm called Gotham Capital that from 1985 to 19, uh, 2006, rather, uh, was annualized returns of over 40%, which is, you know, the highest of any value investor that I'd heard of. Um, That's insane, by the way. 
yeah let's, let's pause for a second and, and really look at that number Ari. Yeah. annualized 40 percent yeah for basically over two decades is insane return right that's and that's yeah part, part of this is also he ran the company for 10 years with his own money uh, so he returned money to shareholders when he uh, you know, during the dot com boom, um, he kind of gave the money back to the shareholders and said, um, "I'll I'll just take my own money. I've made plenty uh, of my own money, so I will I will do that." Um, and you know, he 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 talks about you know using these quote unquote special situations. So um, there are other special situations that he talks about in the books. Uh, spinoffs is one of them. Um, he also talks about post bankruptcy companies. So companies who yeah. have not who are in the bankruptcy process, but who have completed the bankruptcy process uh, as being another good place to look. So uh, maybe in the future, we'll talk about these post-bankruptcy kind of things. But for now, you know, spinoffs are kind of this a good place to look. Uh, Charlie Munger has, you know, mentioned them as a great place to go. Um, you know, the thing that you'll probably notice about it is um, a lot of these spinoffs are very small companies. They are part of a larger parent organization that maybe in the S&P 500 or maybe part of a bigger index. Um, and then, you know, the child is a much smaller entity. So, you know, these big institutional investors can't really play in the uh, spinoff uh, game because they just have too much money. Um, and that is something that we can use to our advantage because um, we are able to invest um, in these in these places. So, <laughs> yeah, we're not managing millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars at <laughs> but, right now but it uh, i mean at a, you know a solid rate of return like he was getting you know that number will become hundreds of millions of dollars pretty fast exactly so, yeah so yeah. i you know i would encourage you to start you know thinking about this as a good place to look that doesn't mean that you stop looking in other areas but um yeah you know there are uh, just like with anything the there are times where there are a lot of spinoffs that are coming up and then there are times when there are very few uh, so mm -hmm. it's not always a guarantee that you're going to see a lot of these. Um, so, you, you know, you, and not every one of them is going to be a winner. So, um, yeah, I also, yeah, I think, I think we didn't do a, enough justice on maybe downside of spinoffs because there are, I mean, it is a way for the parent to get rid of an ugly yeah. child. Right. So for example, you know, if you have a lot of debt, you can just pile your, your personal debt into a child company and then just spin that off. So that the parent company has clean balance sheet. People, companies use this method to clean their balance sheet. So not every spinoff is a great opportunity, but some right. spinoffs really present uh, to us investors really good opportunity to partake in an upside of a company that's underappreciated had it been uh, been still with the company. So I just yeah. want to make that clear that you know spinoffs are not always good, but it can be good. For investors, right. and, and I think that's a very important part. Um, is it, this is not a blindly buy every spinoff that comes through the door. It's like everything else. Do your own, doing your own homework will help you find a good place to look, and then um, you know it's up to you to to really determine what is the best you know use of uh, you know your capital allocation. You know, so all of the things that we've learned, you know, we're still valuing a business. We're still identifying what value. Uh, there is to the company and then trying to buy at a significant margin of safety. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, again, to Hari's point, you know, Joel Greenblatt didn't really invent this, but he is kind of really one of the famous heavyweight and value investors who has championed, who has championed this uh, spinoff strategy. Uh, and it's not to say that he's not, he's the only one who has benefited from really focusing on the spinoff strategy. There has been uh, studies, numerous studies that shows that if you really focus on the right spinoffs, you can get really outsized returns. And so all that to say, spinoff is a great fertile ground to look at good opportunities. Um, and so I think this is a good transition point to think about, um, you know, why is it such a good opportunity? You know, we talk about unlocking the shareholder value, like you said, Hari, you yep. talked about, you know, spinning it off instead of an IPO that gives the company, the parent company tax advantages and also the shareholder tax advantages. But, um, more fundamentally, why is, you know, if you think about from an investor standpoint, why is this such an attractive place to look? Yeah, so you know when you look at a a big company that has a, a smaller child, you know that it could spin off, right? There's a couple things that you would want to look out for when you're you're seeing, you know. So uh, you'll probably have noticed, like when we talked about Southwest Airlines, Southwest Airlines as an airline gets kind of pegged into uh, the same, you know, roughly the same price to earnings ratio as other airlines do. So. People typically value businesses um, in the same industry with the same kind of multiples. Tech companies get higher price-to-earnings multiples. Um, airlines get very low multiples. Car companies, low multiples. So if you imagine uh, a company, let's go back to our Sears and uh, example. You know, uh, Sears and Allstate were, are two different businesses, right? One of them is a retail you know, company, and this is, remember, this is the 70s, so um, long, longer time ago. Um, and Allstate is an insurance company that was at the time, I think was, you know, everything that they're doing now, you know, those are completely different industries, right? They have very different operating characteristics, very different metrics. So if you have this small company called, you know, like Allstate inside a much, much larger organization, most analysts, most, uh, institutional investors, most retail investors aren't paying attention to the Allstate business. They're paying attention to the Sears business. And if Sears is doing well and Allstate is struggling or vice versa, you may not necessarily see it because Sears is gobbling up, you know, it's sucking up all the attention, right? And so what happens is people are tend to value those businesses based on what Sears is doing, not what, you know, not what the parent company is doing, not what the child company is doing. Um, and that kind of keeps things awkward for, you know, for, um, for a lot of, yeah. uh, analysts cause they're not trying, they try to, um, analyze the parent company cause that's, what's driving the underlying returns. And it's very hard for them to see what's happening with the child. Um, mm -hmm. and so that, that can give you a kind of a, a, a strange, uh, you know, uh, structure to the business where it's not e easy to see the uh, the returns that you could get if you separated the two businesses out one may be growing at a much faster rate than another um, which would also be a reason um, one may be in a in an industry that's doing very poorly at, at you know at the moment um, and another may be you know doing very well so you don't want to kind of tie the baggage together uh, mm -hmm. in, in those cases um, but the, there's a couple other things that you may want to look at with uh, spinoffs. Um, so when you have a parent company, if it is of a certain size, 
it will be tied to an index. So that could be the S&P 500. Uh, in some cases, that's the Dow. Um, if it's really, um, you know, a really big company. Mm -hmm. um, but the child doesn't meet the qualifications of being in the S&P 500. So spinning it off ends up putting this smaller asset into the institutional investor's hands and they are not legal their you know their charter for their index fund doesn't allow them to hold these these spin-offs so they have to immediately sell them so you will see this actually in the first few weeks the spin-off will occur the institutionals are required to sell it as part of their um uh you know their operating um pro forma they will dump the shares on the market and now there isn't um, any buyers because at the time the spinoff has not actually shown up on anybody's radar. So yeah, um, uh, go ahead, Bego. Yeah, I think I think um, so. That's a really good point, right? So the, what we're going to mention from from I think we have a few points that we want to mention about price price, right? When when the spinoff actually does spin off and and exist as a separate entity. There is an incredible amount of downward pressure on this price. So, you know, let's go back to our value investing fundamentals 101. As value investors, we want to buy great companies at very, really super incredible discount, right? So if you want to buy great companies at a super discount, we have to find these opportunities when there is incredible downward pressure on the price of the, of the company. And the spinoffs is interesting because there's many, many elements at play that is exerting incredible amount of downward pressure on the price of the spinoff company. And one of the things that Hari mentioned here is that when the when the child company um, you know gets spun off and exists as as its own independent company, it is no longer part of the bigger parent company. And the parent company might have been part of Dow Jones Industrial Average, you know, the the index or S&P 500 index, whereas the small child company is no longer part of that index. And so all these institutional investors buying indiscriminately just S&P 500 index companies, they now have to sell the child company. So there's an indiscriminate, indiscriminate selling that happens when the child company is born. It, it, it exists as a separate entity. I'm not sure if, if, if that clarified anything there, but I just wanted to point out that we're going to list a few things. So one is the, 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 the nature of being part of an index and not being a part of an index. That's one thing that we want to mention. There are a few other things that we want to mention. And all this is exerting an incredible amount of downward pressure on the price of the spinoff. Yeah. So the, the other part of that is you have institutional holdings like um, you know actively managed funds, and they focus on certain industries like in the case of Sears, you know, if it was a retail mutual fund, they wouldn't be allowed to own an insurance business. So they'll get this spinoff. They have to say, I can't, you know, it's part, not part of my charter. I will set, sell it off. So it's not just the mm -hmm. index funds, but that, that is a big driver of this is that as the S&P 500 has, you know, uh, funds get these shares, they'll sell them. This is actually true for retail investors too. You know, they bought the company because they saw value in the parent. The child is not why they're there, and then the child gets spun off. Um, yeah, let's maybe. I think we. I think this is a good, good, good time to just clarify that. Um, so let's say you guys own Sears, 
and the Sears is spinning off Allstate. Allstate becomes a separate entity, and you as a holder, as an owner of Sears, all of a sudden, one day, when you open up your brokerage account, there's two different companies. There is Sears and there is there's Allstate, right? So you're, you're, you're getting this Allstate. The, the Allstate spun off from Sears. You still own Allstate because you own the Sears, right? So you're getting this. You're getting this. You're getting this. This company on your brokerage account that you have no idea about, and you're you're, you're selling it because you don't you don't you don't know what that is, or you don't want to own own um, own insurance companies. Yeah, so. and, and and by the way, the parent company will still own shares in the child. So they will. What they will do is they will keep the shares. You know, some percentage of it, twenty percent, thirty percent, and they will file that as part of their filing with the SEC. Um, so that they they still participate in any upside that the the child company has, um, so it's not a complete clean separation of the two companies. They'll own some percentage of it, and then they may sell it in a three year period or or, or something like that. So, yeah. Um, but the initial downward pressure for the price is usually related to things that have nothing to do with the value of the company, um, and so that I think is a very important part of. Um, you know, looking at these things is that, you know, the spinoff may be there to unlock value as, as, as all spinoffs, you know, will propose. That's why they're doing it. Um, but then there's more, you know, more detailed, you know, thing here that is kind of a, you know, a quirk of the, the system is that they have forced the sell off of these, uh, these shares. And now you have an undervalued asset, potentially undervalued asset that, you know, is, you know, to look at. So, so that's kind of why these spinoffs are really interesting is that um, by unlocking value, you've also forced uh, you know, the price to go down because of, of shareholder uh, interest. So, um, Yeah. So we mentioned there are many, many kind of pressure, many elements that at play that exerts this downward pressure. We talked about not being, not being no longer part of being an index or too small for investors or people just don't care to own something that they have no idea about. So, those are some of the elements that we talked about. There are other things at play here, Hari. Uh, would you like to elaborate on some of those things? Yeah. So, so part of this is, you know, we'll be we'll we'll actually be talking about a a, a checklist for spinoffs um, uh, in the next episode, so that you can kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like we do with our our our, our uh, investment list uh, checklist that we guys you you guys can get from us um, by emailing us at info at valueinvestor.org or tweeting us. At Value Investor TV, um, we'll be making a spinoff checklist, um, um, you know, for spinoffs that you can use to kind of evaluate how good a spinoff is. But you know, one of the other where areas that, you know, by splitting the company, this was um, an example that was actually in Joel Greenblatt's book, um, and actually occurred a very similar situation occurred about um, a year ago now. Yeah, about um, half, half. Yeah, about a year ago. Yeah, uh, uh, was uh, this company called Corepoint uh, Logistics? So, uh, or Corepoint Lodging. So Corepoint, Corepoint Lodging. is a. Um, it was actually taking all of the physical assets of um, La Quinta hotels. So La Quinta um, uh, hotel chain is you know is made up of two components, right? There's a management company that was managing the 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 business. And then there is the physical hotel assets that are part of the, um, uh, you know, that it's the actual building and you know the property, plant, and equipment, so to speak. Um, so a lot of these companies were spinning off 
splitting the companies into two. One would be managing the real and real estate, um, uh, and so they would just collect a fee from the 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 hotel. So the the rules are: if you want to be a real estate investment trust, you have to pay out ninety percent of your income as dividends, um, and then you don't have to pay any taxes because your uh, owners will pay the taxes on the dividends. Um, and so what companies were doing was they were splitting up their management into uh, a um, into an, a separate company that would just manage the hotel assets, uh, and then the the actual company, you know, was just a, essentially just a company that um, existed holding assets for, you know, the hotels and so forth. So CorePoint split up; it, it gained all of the assets, and then La Quinta's management was a uh, company was bought by Wyndham. Uh, as part of that of the spin-off process. So Corepoint has been trading for about a year um and you know I think when it started it was between like 25 and 28 dollars a share and has been pushed down to around 12 dollars a share. Um and what they've been doing in this year or so interval is that they've been trying to remodel all of the La Quinta stores so that they can charge a high or I'm sorry not stores hotels so they can charge a higher price. So there have been, and they've also been, had a lot of their hotels in areas that were shut down due to hurricanes in Florida and Houston. Uh, and so, so the, these assets will come back online and, you know, and at, they also converted into the tax entity, the real estate investment trust. So kind of a lot of things went on as part of this spinoff, but they're unlocking value. Um, and right now I think they're trading at like 50% of their book value or, or less. Um, so, you know, there's a potentially undervalued business there, um, you know, due to this spinoff and a lot of indiscriminate selling that pushed the price down from 25 to $12 a share. Yeah. Yeah. La Quinta is a really good example. And, and, and <clears throat> like Joel Greenblatt talks about in his book, Marriott did the same thing. Joel, um, La Quinta is another example. So we'll talk about a f- more of these uh, down the road in our second episode when we go through checklists. But I just want to point out at the high level, you know, sp- spinoffs are, we kind of define what spinoffs are. It's pretty complex subjects. So I just want to lay lay out kind of the, the high level bullet points. Spinoffs are where a child company gets spun off into its, 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 uh, its, its own entity. That's what spinoff is. Spinoffs are interesting because historically it has returned great, uh, uh, great returns. It has presented great returns for um, big heavyweight investors like Joel Greenblatt or even just you know, studying uh, studying S and P five hundred index versus a collection of spinoffs. We can see that spinoffs have done done well. So that's why we need to really focus on this. And thirdly, if we look at why it's it is such a good investment opportunity. Why it's such a fertile ground to look for different opportunities is that there is a incredible downward pressure in price when it first becomes its own existing entity. So, uh, and, and there are many reasons why there's incredible downward pressure on the on the on the price. One of them being it's not part of the index. Uh, another is uh, another is you know it's too small for in- institutional investors. And, and there are a few more a few more things that we'll talk about down the road. But ultimately. Uh, kind of to summarize that point, there is downward pressure, and there can be some value to be had at had at at uh, at, at this stage um, for 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 spinoffs. 
Um, yeah. Anything you want to add here? I think I think we could summarize uh, here to this point for this episode, and then we can move on to the next to talk more in detail about kind of the checklist and why why it's so important for us yeah, to I look think, at these uh, things. I think you actually gave a pretty good summary already there. Um, you know, as far as what a spinoff is, and you know, what are some of the reasons that they would be cheap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we would still have to apply all of the same kind of um, thinking to our spinoff, um, you know, thought process, right. Is, is, you know, as to what to look for, you know, for kind of, uh, uh, these businesses. But, um, I think the, the best way for us to do that is, you know, we want to go through it systematically and that's why a checklist is, is very useful. All right. Uh, I know this is pretty complex subject. I would say this is more advanced, advanced topic and value investing. Would you say, Hari? Yeah, uh, you know, I I don't think anything that we've taught you is still is you know you need you would throw out. This is still very much you know trying to buy a dollar for fifty cents. Um, you know, there's you have to do a lot more analysis here, and you have to be uh, I think be more careful about you know these kind of investments because um, you know. It, I think any one of anybody who's listened to us up until this point has probably gotten enough knowledge. Um, but I think it, it gets down to how long have you been buying stocks and, and have, analyzing companies. Um, so none of the terminology will confuse you, but there's, there's a little bit more going on here than just yeah. meets the eye. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So if you don't fully understand this, that's okay. It took me quite a bit of, time to really digest all of this material myself so um don't worry if you don't feel like you have a full grasp on this we'll talk about concrete examples as we go down the checklist um so that might help as well so uh, stay tuned and uh we'll see you on the next one thanks guys thanks Um,